Welcome to the All-Star Networking Podcast. It's the show where you hear from a new expert each week on how to build an all-star network, increase business sales, grow careers, find a job, or enrich your life. Let's get it started. From the Midtown Global Market in Minneapolis, here's your host, Kathy Paper. Hello, everyone. It's Kathy Paper at the Midtown Global Market with the All-Star Networking Show. Trustee Advisor Matt Tell, the Executive Director of Friends of the Global Market. Check him out online. Um, I just got to say, though, Matt is wearing a headset today that has duct tape on it because I believe we broke them at the last recording event. So, Matt, uh, if anybody wants to, we can Venmo some money. Duct tape on both sides now. We can Venmo some money or make a donation to Friends of the Global Market. I mean, it's charm, but feel free to donate because um, Friends supports the 30 entrepreneurs that are in the building. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling. I'm rambling, Matt, but I like the duct tape look on you. Joining me today is the first guest that I do not know. So um, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with Katie Mattis-Sarver. Katie, thank you for joining us. And before I let you introduce yourself, I just have to say, this is how what I love about networking is, um, on our last show, PJ Hill was on. It was a great conversation. So check that out if people haven't listened. And he and I were here, and I believe Todd Lee, who you work with, came to have lunch they started schmoozing and he handed the business card to me and said call Katie and lo and behold here you are so tell us a little bit about what you do and then we'll chat some about networking sure well thank you for having me I, I said I just texted Todd Lee prior to this and I said uh, you should be here doing this with me and he, he said no you'll be great but by the way the duct tape is fuchsia pink with design so it's not just your standard MacGyver action uh, gray duct tape so very Style's important, yeah. <laughs> as PJ talks about, right? Yeah, so, um, so Katie Mattis-Sarver, I'm the first uh, community development manager at Bell Bank. Um, and they hired me about almost two years ago. Um, I got to know the executives through my time at Minnesota United and Allianz Field. And they said, hey, we are really thinking about how can we engage uh, in a different way. We, we are very philanthropic through our Pay It Forward program, where every employee receives $1,000 full-time and every part-time employee receives $500 annually to pay it forward to whomever or whatever they want. It just cannot be to a direct family member. And employees... Every every employee? Every employee from the top all the way to a brand new entry-level employee. Wow. And they saw it on Oprah many years ago. And they said they were having Christmas parties every year. And you know, you hear about these corporate parties where then people get cars and they get all these other things. And they said, they started hearing people say, I wonder what we're gonna get this year. And at Bell, they said, that's not really who we are. That's not really what we wanna foster. So they watched Oprah um, and saw when she gave every audience member $1,000 and a camcorder back then. Yeah. And said, go give it away and film it. And said, what if we did that? So they hired an Oprah impersonator they did ask Oprah first if she would come, right. and they still have the email that says, Oprah will not be attending your event. Uh-huh. <laughs> but they had an Oprah impersonator get on stage and announce it. And every year at the party, this is the biggest announcement. And this last year, they gave everybody $5,000 to donate. Wow. And so that's the philanthropic individual. We want to know who and how we can help. And so they really said, Katie, what can we do across all of our business lines to do more uh, as we hear about systemic challenges in the financial industry. 
And being a non-banker, we never want you to become a banker. We want you to always keep the perspective of a, a person that doesn't know our business and tell us this doesn't make sense. So it's a lot of raising my hand. Uh, it's a lot, it, you know, daunting in a lot of ways to, you know, pushing the mid-century mark where I am to join a new industry. Um, but it's been amazing. It's been great opportunity, great networking, but it's more so been an amazing opportunity to combine my networks over the years. And it's incredible how they all align and you can bring people back in and people want to do good work. They want to be connected and they want to do good things. And it's been a lot of fun. Oh, I love this. This is a great yeah. story. I'm so, I, I, I'm just a little flabbergasted, which is rare for me that the bank is making that kind of a sort of commitment and partnership with you um, and and doing uh, all that so what give me an example an example of where people donate their money I want to go I want to spend a little time on that before we talk about networking and relationship building absolutely so people have done everything from helping their neighbor whose mom or dad is sick to pulling money together to do tens of thousands of dollars to buy a wheelchair or a, a motorized vehicle for someone in need. Um, just they make the stories make you cry every year. Yeah. Um, so at the Christmas party they or holiday party they read what the stories are. They, they have video. We have a whole internal video team and they put these videos together and they highlight how employees give. Actually our town hall meetings in the summer we're in them right now where our, our leadership team goes to every market and they do town hall meetings and they share a lot of pay it forward stories there too and it's you know it is about understanding the connectivity is person by person handshake by handshake yes. and I think that is at the heart of who we are you know the people that started our bank Dick Solberg and Mickey Snortland up in Fargo they worked with a community that was often forgotten you know rural America yeah. and so what I talk about in my job is we're just doing it in the are the markets where we're growing and that looks a little different but it is still handshake by handshake person by person yes. and pay it forward reinforces that but it also empowers people to give and the, uh, the the responsibility you feel when you do give you want to make sure your money's uh, going to something you care about but also that you receive so much more when you give and so being able to reinforce that with our employees it's fantastic yeah okay I, I'm gonna just Again, I like to punctuate things in case, you know, somebody's walking, listening to this. But you said the responsibility when you give. Um, I know exactly that feeling of, of when you get asked either for money or when you're connected to something. It's like where you're going to pick to go to lunch. You want to feel that connection with it. So I like that phrase about the responsibility to give. And, of course, partly that's why we're recording here is let, letting more people know about the great work that um, this community is doing. This is one of my favorite places in the Twin Cities. It is, if it could be replicated in every major city in the way that you're doing it here, it, it's just incredible. And it's reinforcing, uh, you know, we talk about philanthropy a lot, but people don't necessarily just want philanthropy. People want the respect as well of, I want to build my business and I want the opportunity to build my business. And there's some things that I need that look different than the other person. Um, and so that's what actually in my job, we've really been focused on community development. It, pay it forward is philanthropic, which is very important, but really this is business development and building wealth and how do you provide access for more to build wealth. And I look at Midtown Global Market and what you're doing here and this is exactly what we hope for. 
Excellent. I'm, I get it. I take, I take notes because, um, you know, the building wealth piece is, you know, is, is crucial. But tell me about, just tell me about you. You sure. know, a vague question. I said we started to talk. You've got a great bubble tea, right, from Tom's across the yep. way, right? Well, talk to me about what flavor it is first. Well, they were out of honeydew, which is what I would normally get. So I did a lychee. So um, okay. a, a good friend of ours is has introduced our family to bubble tea, and so now we try all kinds. But, yes. Um, I learned not to be overly caffeinated when I do any speaking anymore. So Okay, so while we were in the line, I did my, okay, thank you for being here. Somehow we got on kids, but just tell me a little bit about how you build relationships or how I get to know somebody that I can already tell is so awesome as you. Oh, you're so kind. Same. Um, well, I'm one of eight kids, four adopted, four homemade Two are black. I have another Korean sister. We are not biological. For those of you on the podcast, well, I am. I was born in Korea and adopted. Um, and the homemade kids are little white people. Okay. And so the top two are homemade, the bottom two are homemade, and the middle four are adopted. I grew up in Anoka, which was not a diverse um, community. And so, you know, I just, I think for me what I've realized is I've always found places to be out of my comfort zone because maybe I just always have been. And so I blend the best places where there's a lot of people to blend with. But networking to me is about broadening my horizons. Uh, it's more of networking into ideas and to places and spaces than it is just about the people. The people become my people uh, who I really love um, and learn from. But it's about the places, ideologies, all different kinds of things. So I think about networking probably in a little unique way than s some other people that I've heard. No, I, li I like that. Um, networking into ideas. Mm -hmm. Networking into ideas. Ideas, right. places. Uh, because I think when you grow up and you feel not in place everywhere, you have to find a way to make your place. And what I love about where we're headed is that, especially I look at my kids, I've got a 10-year-old and a 7-year-old, they don't see themselves as, they know they're Asian, mm -hmm. uh, and they, they're fine. They're, they love that about themselves. But they said, Mom, everybody's different. So that's, I should be different. And, and so it's, and it should be a, a plus, not an obstacle to overcome. And I think my generation, we really learned, you just have to overcome it. You have to um, move beyond it, whatever that means. And I worked in an NBA and a WNBA locker room for nine years, and I never felt more comfortable. Right. Okay, so let's talk about sure. that because, of course, I love sports as my, my connection um, with people. That's one of my, when I'm building a relationship is I say, let's talk about a hobby or something that's of interest, is how did you get connected into the sports world? So, Well, I went to Hamlin, and uh, I wanted to go into sports broadcasting, and back then it was just Leslie Visser. And so I said, you know, I don't know if I really want to work all this, pay all this money and go into debt to work in a small town in Idaho and then get fired for having a bad hair day. <laughs> so I said, and by I, the way, you're not having a bad hair day. Well, so. thank you. No, but I, I said, that's not what I'm working for. And I know that's part of the gig. So then I said, well, maybe I could work at a sports team. And so I interned at the Minnesota Thunder, which is now Minnesota United. Our little four-person office. I know. And wait, let's pause there because that was where I said as we were chatting, do you, do, I never know. I don't want to ever be a name dropper, but my math teacher, Buzz Lagos, 
went to the Minnesota Thunder before I even knew that soccer was a like you know real thing. And so you got to work with Buzz, I worked with Buzz, yes, quite a bit. He was the head coach at the time. And so I did everything from applying for P1 visas, uh, working with, you know, the Romanian consulate and everything to get player P1 visas to uh, when our money ran out, we had to do the laundry. And I lived on 550 Snelling Avenue North and laid it out on the, the steps of McAllister College. Yes. Um, and I, from Buzz, I know where every Olive Garden is um, in all the A-League markets. Uh, because Wait, does he like Olive Garden? We always went to Olive Garden, yes, oh, on the well, road. I'm going to call him and take him there. My parents love Olive <laughs> Garden, too. I have the app <laughs> on my phone. When I'm not at the Midtown Global Market, I'm at Olive Garden. That's so great. Well, one funny story about that is uh, the owner at the time, the majority owner, was Bill George, who was the CEO of Medtronic yep. at the time. And I had no idea. I, I had no idea who Bill George was. I knew he was really important and, you know, had a big job. But you don't have perspective of what you're getting to learn. Well, we went, he came with us to our pregame meal at Olive Garden. And, of course, the players, their ritual was whoever's new, they have the birthday cake come out and the song and all of that. And they... they Wait, I didn't know Olive Garden does a birthday cake song. Yeah, so okay. there's a song and a cake and a candle. It's a big spectacle. And they did that to Mr. George. And he's trying to politely say, no, no, it's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. And people just start singing louder and louder. <laughs> and so uh, that's always a moment I'll remember. And it, it reminded me that no matter who you are, to feel included is the best gift you can give anyone. And so I always joke that in the, the locker rooms, when, when the players and the staff were comfortable around you, it's when you'd hear the worst language uh, and, and a lot of stories. This is great. Yeah. Um, and this so it is, is just when you can find a connection through inclusivity with people and they can let down their guard and be who they really are, it is, it's such magic. Uh, okay, there they are. They're chopping the ribs. Oh, they're I smell chopping it. the ribs. Yeah, I can smell it and I can see it. So oh, and now we can hear it. Yeah, that's the thumping. It's not me pounding, Matt, on the table. <laughs> that is the ribs being chopped fresh right out of the grill so that's how the headphones got broken in the first place <laughs> yeah he was banging them down the podcast went crazy a bad language or just language yeah. so feeling included with your network when you you said something maybe when we were talking or before is you weren't you said you weren't really intentional about building a network but you were starting to just build relationships was that um did it come naturally to you, or did you feel like you had to, you said, out of your comfort zone? Or So what I loved about working in sports was that, it, for me, it didn't matter who I, what I looked like or that I was a woman or anything like that. I, I, was, I feel like a lot of times I was able to be judged on my merit. And can you understand what the other person needs, whether it's a corporate partner, a season ticket member, a fan, a player, an owner, a media member, and it really is just about taking the time to listen and think about for one second what they might need uh, from their perspective. And a lot of times these are people that people don't do that. They assume whether you're an athlete and you have a lot of money, your life is great. It's, a, it's one of the earliest lessons I learned when I, after I left soccer, I went to the NBA and worked for the Timberwolves and Lynx, is I learned very early on that money does not fix you money is not the end-all be-all and getting to know people for who they really are and the challenges that they have it doesn't go away um, and so it made it really easy for me to set my mantra for myself of 
I've never, I'm a very competitive person, but I'm competitive with myself. I was a gymnast, not a great one, but I was. Yay. And so you're really competing against yourself. You know, you can blame the judge, but you're really competing against yourself. And so what I always say is set your bar high enough or to a place where you want to be that you can celebrate everybody's successes around you no matter what. And what I've learned is on the outside, it can look like you're competing against people, but on the inside, I've never tried to compete against anybody else because I know winning championships, all the money in the world, fame, whatever it is that people think you, the society values, it does not fix who you are on the inside on the day to day. Terrific, Katie. I can see why you're you're here and um, have built such a phenomenal network around you and doing such good work. Um, because celebrating that success or knowing yourself inside, it's such a piece of the building the network, building relationships, right? Getting to know you. I, you said it. I don't know if you've said it now. Is getting to know that human? Yes. And so often we think, oh, I've got to meet that vice president or that, you know, the owner and get to know them and maybe they'll help me. But yes. you're talking about getting to know the person's essence. Yes. And I think about a lot of leaders, um, how lonely it can be. You know, I, 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 the, the network I've got to grow, those are the questions I actually ask and I think it startles people. But I really want to know how do they keep a circle? How do they keep perspective? Because it's such a delicate thing to have, and only the best leaders have it, and yet you're put on a pedestal that's unfair. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I really have a lot of empathy for people that are actually in really lonely places. Um, and so what matters to them? How can you connect? And then find real ways for them to live th- through those passions. So. Um, when I worked in basketball, it was before Twitter, uh, uh, and so players didn't have their own platform. Now it's much different, and so it was always the team versus the player, and I'm going to do my thing, and the team's going to do their thing, and um, I, I, I went round and round the players. I said, you don't have to write the biggest check. It is your voice. It is who you are, and I said, it's harder to actually use your voice and decide what you're going to stand up for than it is to write your check, but you know, you reach some people that way, and you don't others. But hopefully some people have taken that as they've grown along in their yeah, lives. Great. So you're teaching other people, too, how to build their own communities. I hope so. Just be comfortable with who they are because you then will attract the network of people that are meaningful to you and meaningful to them. You're meaningful to them as well. Great advice. Yeah. Great, great advice. Okay. So when you're building relationships, have you had any challenges along the way or any things that you're like I I want this as either a do-over or or, you know sharing that wisdom you mentioned a couple people that have been mentors to you how would you mentor anyone that's listening of how do they get get to have such a phenomenal network like you do well a lot of it is putting yourselves in new environments because you never know where that mentor is going to come from my very first one uh, Dr. Bill George but then Bill Manning who was the president of the Minnesota Thunder at the time? He's been a great mentor of mine through my whole career, and will always—he's from a Long Island, and uh, he'll always tell me like it is. Um, you know, and you you go on and on in time, and I think you want to find people that are invested in you as a human being first, um, that will tell you the things you need to hear, and they have no hidden agendas for it. I always joke and say I'm I'm not smart enough to have a hidden agenda because I could never keep it straight. 
<laughs> I could never keep up with the lies, but um, but no, I, I think with the network, you know, I hear a lot about people talk about being very intentional about their network. I think for me, it's being intentional about your purpose. And then I think it draws the network. I was in, I've been in sales for a long, long time, so I w had the opportunity to lead corporate revenue for Allianz Field and Minnesota United. And people know you're meeting with them to raise sales, right, for money. Uh, but really starting in a place of listening to say, you are going to champion this deal within your company. What is on the line for you? What matters to you? What can I do to make it easier for you internally? Because at some point, people are going to look at you, Kathy, and say, Kathy, you wanted this deal done with Minnesota United. Why are we spending all this money? And so if you start from a place of the other side, you then can decide, is this the right partnership? And so some of the best things I've learned, uh, even fr from Bill Manning, who I mentioned, is to walk away from a deal. It's okay to, for people to say, this isn't the right partnership. And it really is a partnership, it's not a deal. Um, because then it's just fraught with challenges all along through the whole thing, and it's not fun for anybody. Right. Everybody, I think you just got a big sales lesson, too. Not just building relationships, but sales about partnerships and listening for that purpose. Um, is when you were working at Allianz Field, were you there at the very beginning? I was. Yeah, so I, I, I did the production actually for their first game in Major League Soccer uh, at TCF Bank Stadium. And okay. then I got to know them over time. I had worked for Chris Wright, who was, the, uh, was then named yep. the CEO. And I was on my own for eight years producing major events, mainly in soccer. So the All-Star Games, championship games, international soccer tournaments. So I was the lady in the booth getting the flyover and the fireworks yes. uh, to happen in the concerts. So I like to think I'm the only person working at the bank that can do the uh, flyover and the fireworks on the national right. anthem. But, and it was nice because of my kids were young. I was traveling, but I still had some flexibility. But I hadn't worked in the market in 13 years. So I went out to Salt Lake and I opened up Rio Tinto Stadium out there with Bill Manning <laughs> after oh. 13 years of not working together. And we opened that up and we won a championship and it was just, it was magic. So the Minnesota United project was very similar. Team at a college stadium, really take, opening their own new stadium and how do you maximize revenues. It's the, it's the largest growth you're gonna have from a financial standpoint, even if you win 10 championships in a row um, in the life cycle of a pro sports team is when you open up when, the new building. Oh, okay. And so it's important that you get it right you know, for the short and long term, for the community that's invested, for the fans, for the team, for the league, uh, for your ownership group, for your partners. It's really important that you're careful and you think, how will this impact people long term and not just in the short term? And I think that's the other piece of networking and relationships is long term. Long term. And there are some relationships that are just very transactional and short term, and that's okay too. And I think it's just being upfront with, with understanding what it is. No, that's great. Okay, so I live right near the Allianz Field. Um, beautiful stadium, by the thank way. Thank you. Beautiful stadium. My husband, I think he sh he does a ticket show. I know he I know he goes to games. At least he tells me he's going to the games there. <laughs> and so we love that field. And I love, um, actually, that stadium where when I walk in, the stadium is really diverse. Yes. And um, were you involved in building building the partnerships with people so that was your so mine was with the, the companies yes yeah. uh, but to you know like I said I have operated in almost every soccer and football stadium in the country and when they showed me even at the dig 
what it was and I walked in on the dirt, I knew it was going to be special. And Dr. Bill McGuire, another bill, it must be bills, I, I guess. Bills, I gotta exactly. pay my bills and I know bills. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was so meticulous about the vision he had for it and design-led and for the community. It's, it is a special place. Uh, and I think everyone feels welcome there. And to, to be able to deliver on what you hope it's going to be, and you see everything from four generations of people, all kinds of people, uh, it is, that was probably my favorite thing. And the hardest thing about COVID was that yes. in year two that we were just getting going in the momentum of that. But to see it come back now, and it still is that, um, that's something that a partnership team doesn't own. You just hope that it comes to life, and then when your partners see it, and they believe it, it that's been the that was the funnest part was these Fortune 500 companies saying, "I didn't believe you until I walked the concourses." And right. They said, "Now I get it." Right. And to build that, wow. Yeah. No, when you're not working and or with your kids, um, are you involved in any volunteering, or where where do you get sort of your your fixers that come from the the day the day job it it's a mix so when I left sports I really said to my kids because I didn't have dinner with my family one time in two and a half years for that build oh um, and I knew what I was going what it was going to be and my husband said do it you you got to be part of it um, and so it was hard because my family became big fans and they didn't want me to leave but then my daughter said does this mean you can volunteer at my school now can you have dinner with us? And so I said, yes. And that is what uh, Tim Jelinski at Bell Bank, when he recruited me, he said, I never want you to miss a doctor appointment, a recital, um, anything of a game, anything of importance to you or your family. And so when I prioritize my schedule, I can actually do that now. And try not, try not to feel guilty, but you always find time to do the work. There's always time to get the work done. And I think in COVID, it taught us all to give each other grace of, you know what, my workday might look a little different than yours, and we'll find the pockets of time. And if it's really important and it's urgent, then it's my job to say, like, I really need this. But it has been a shift in that way for sure. Excellent. You know, growing up with uh, one of eight kids, I was number four. I realized now I was, I've always been kind of a glue piece. And when I was a gymnast at Hamlin, I was not good. <laughs> but... The assistant coach, his name is Jeff Graba. He is now the head coach at Auburn, where SUNY Lee is. His twin brother is Jeff Graba, who is her competition coach. So it's a, such a small world. But I, when I was done with gymnastics, I, I was actually interning at the Timberwolves, and I said, I'm not going to be a professional gymnast. I better figure out something with my life. And he said, Katie, you know, we miss you on the team because you were really a glue piece. And, you know, sometimes cap team captains are usually the best player and he said but that doesn't mean they're the right leader and I've taken that throughout my life the best you know we used to joke with Kevin Garnett you should never coach because he, he, he get too frustrated because when you have so much natural innate talent you can't break it down for someone that has to learn it um, and it's frustrating same with salespeople right the best salespeople do not necessarily make the best leaders and so that's what I keep thinking about is maybe finding a way where to be okay with my mediocrity is that the, the glue is actually a really great place to live for me. And you want to be the clear glue, not the, the splotchy kind that sticks out. <laughs> you know, you want it to look seamless that um, all the parts are together. Yeah. 
but I'm like, what mediocrity? I'm not yeah. seeing. I, I'm like, I think we're gonna have to edit that part out, Matt, because I'm not seeing anything that's mediocre about you. So. No, but I think you know it. It teaches you that there's all different kind of ways yes. to lead, and that there's value in that. And that's what we talk about at the bank too: is the need for social capital. And that's what Midtown Global Market can do for people, too, is the social capital here and the networking. You see doctors, you see all kinds of people in this market and, uh, you know, patrons of places that they may never have gone to. And so it brings everything to, into one place. Yes. Um, that is the piece of it where I just think if you can be a glue piece, there's a lot of value to that because it, that is your network. It's yeah. all the pieces you get to connect with and kind of find ways to, to put together. And that's what gives me my fix is how, how can you bring different pieces together? Uh, one of my challenges, though, is that I always think there's a way. So I can make it work for you, Matt, and you, Kathy, and me, and it's, it's going to work for everybody. Where I, I can drive myself and others crazy right. trying to get there. Uh, so sometimes I have to do pencils down and move on. <laughs> <laughs> pencils down and move on. I like that. Speak a little a bit, if you would, about um, some of the work that Bell Bank is doing in the community because you described several interesting programs that I think are glue pieces. I was hired under the listen and act mandate from our, our uh, CEO, Michael Solberg. He said, we're going to listen and we're going to act. And so we don't talk a lot about what we're doing all the time right. because we want to just be the ones act. doing the work. And so I met a, the first thing I did is I met an entrepreneur who a friend was mentoring and he grew his business to about $100,000 in his basement and he said it's time for him to have a relationship with a bank and no one will talk to him and it's an apparel company so myself and a banker went out and had coffee and COVID you know outside distance right. we did not talk about how much money he needed we did not talk about you know some of the financial challenges he was having and we walk away and the banker who's an amazing person said what a great kid, what a great story, good luck to him. We just, I know we'll never be able to bank him because it's a risky business, he'll have no collateral. You know, it's all the reasons that bankers are trained to have to say no. Right. And I went back and we had also heard the podcast from Twyla Dang and Chris Farrell on NPR called Small Change, Stories of the Neighborhood. And it was about how, especially communities of color, think about money and have worked around the systems to m make it, whether it's lending circles or using someone with the best credit score to buy all the cars for the family. It's different ways of thinking about capital. And so we put those two things together with Todd Lee, uh, who you had met, yep. and I said, Todd, I don't get this. I don't get all of this. And being a privately held bank, they went in, Todd and Tim and our leader, Aaron Prako, who runs the region, they all talked about it and said, instead of doing grants, why don't we do loans we could never do? And we're excited to, to roll it out publicly here soon, um, but it was a pilot program over the last year, and, and we get to partner with people like Neighborhood Development Center, Latino Economic Development Center, uh, all different kinds of places, lunar startups. So their entrepreneurs know there is a next phase. You can grow from a one or two person shop. Right to something bigger. That's so, awesome. That's it's an been awesome really fun. program. Thank awesome you. Awesome program. So, so there's a lot of power in that idea, networking with purpose, um, as well as kind of being intentional about your purpose. And so one of the things that I will talk about with people is if you have 100 people in your network, you're all-star 100, uh, is, is it diverse? Are you purposeful with it? Is there anything more you would say about 
how do you network with purpose or how do you encourage other people to network with kind of that purpose and authenticity? It's tricky, right? It's tricky. Um, at Bell, they've given us tremendous resources. So what I always say is if we can throw the party that everyone wants to be at and you just invite a lot of different interesting people and you put them in a room together, the connectivity that happens there and the networking and the ideas are incredible. We did that last summer, right coming out of the first wave of the pandemic uh, with Larry Fitzgerald Jr. And we had an event the night before the golf event at Allianz Field. Yep. And it was a group of people that would have never gathered together. And it was so fun. And I hear today still, we met at the Larry event at Allianz Field and here's what we did. People remember who helped facilitate that at the end of the day, the glue, right? The glue, People yep. remember that it didn't all fall apart, that it wasn't a waste of time. But for starting out, it can be a challenge. It can feel daunting. Start with what you're passionate about. And then you always grow from there. And I think you will be shocked about how many kinds of people are interested in what you're interested in. Yeah, great. That's great. Good? So okay. I'm interested in sports and food. So some way, maybe Midtown Global will figure out a way to have some sporty events and good food and Bell Bank maybe yeah. being involved or... I think you could fit a pickleball court or a futsal court right in and you could do a fun little challenge. Pickleball apparently is the fastest growing sport or cornhole. Like there's... Yes, pickleball is huge. I'm a tennis player, but pickleball, um, Michael Lynn's Tennis Shop, and I think they might have to change their name because half of it is pickleball. <laughs> But I will tell you, as a tennis player, when pickleball and tennis are on the courts next to each other, pickleball makes a way different sound yes. than tennis does. It's like when you have foods that shouldn't touch each other touch. <laughs> I don't like that feeling. So, I prefer tennis. I haven't gotten into pickleball yet, but I love tennis. My brother and I used to get into heated battles at Rocket Park in, in Anoka. And yeah. A couple of broken tennis rackets. and. We didn't have a lot of money, so we'd have to bend them back and make them work. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Katie, for being here today. And um, people can find you on LinkedIn and connect and find Bell Banks all over the Twin Cities and Fargo and, what you say, Phoenix? So they must be in how many states? Our bank is in three states right now currently. Okay. So North Dakota, Minnesota, and Arizona. Excellent. So Excellent. All right. Thank you for being here. It was super fun. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the All-Star Networking Podcast with Kathy Paper. To learn more about strategic networking and making impactful connections, visit rockpaperstar.com. Please join us in supporting the Midtown Global Market as a vital community resource that supports small business, cultural diversity, and free or low-cost programming. Reach us at friendsofglobalmarket.org.